0: Look at you listening to The Best Thing Podcast. You are in good company because this podcast is hitting charts all across the world. Welcome. Hey, I'm Antonio Nevs, and this is episode 50 of The Best Thing Podcast. And whoa, buckle up. We have an amazing episode with Simon Alexander Ong. He's based out of the UK in London, and he is going to share with you something really powerful today about a time in his life. When he had to make a big decision. We've all been there, right? When you have to make a really big decision that can either take you forward or take you back. His decision took him forward. I can't wait for you to listen. Guess what? My book, Stop Living on Autopilot, comes out soon, January 19th, 2021. If you're like, you know what, Antonio, you're cool. I like your podcast, but I don't know if I want to buy your book. All you have to do is go to the show notes and you can get a sneak peek of the introduction and chapter one to see if it is your vibe or not. It will be your vibe. You can also go to the show notes to get a sneak peek of the audiobook to see if it is your vibe or not. Guess what? You're going to love it. Can't wait for you to listen to it. Can't wait for you to read the book. Hey, if you have, if you've been listening to this podcast for quite some time, I invite you to give it five stars. I invite you to leave it a review. I invite you to write a short recommendation to a friend and say, hey, listen to this podcast that I really get a lot out of. I would really, really appreciate that. By the way, I want to let you know to keep it real. I'm in my my garage right now, and behind me is a sexy Honda Odyssey minivan. Sometimes when you record the introductions of your show, you got to do it where your kids are not being loud. Hey, I'm always going to keep it real with you. But without further ado, let's get to episode 50. You heard me, right? Episode 50 of the best thing podcast
1: welcome to the best thing podcast where we talk to thought leaders creatives authors and entrepreneurs about how sometimes the best thing to happen to you is the most unexpected welcome your host Antonio Nevs.
0: hey what's up everyone welcome to the best thing podcast where I talk to people about the best thing to happen to them That doesn't include the traditional markers of success. I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm the author of Stop Living on Autopilot. I'm a speaker and I'm a coach. Each week, I bring on a new guest who has a powerful story to tell that will motivate, inspire, and help you see life through a new lens. This week's guest is someone I first came across on Instagram because my wife said, you have to check this guy out, and I was immediately blown away by him, his message, and his work. Simon Alexander Ong is a coach, speaker, and writer. As a coach and business strategist, Simon helps leaders, entrepreneurs, organizations to transcend perceived limitations and experience extraordinary transformations through the power of insight, perspective, and energy management. Simon's work has been featured in top publications, including the Financial Times, Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and more. His speaking audiences have included Google, the London School of Economics, Virgin, and more. Simon, welcome to The Best Thing.
1: Antonio, thank you very much for having me on.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I've been really, really looking forward to this conversation. I want to start with the question that I don't think you're probably going to expect. When I was going through your website, I found that you have some skills when it comes to magic and using your hands. I, I got to say, first, I love people who can do magic because it can transfix a person. It can, it can just grab a room's attention. I'm curious, what have you learned from being able to do some magic?
1: So it's interesting, Antonio, when I was a teenager, my brother and I saw on the TV program schedule that there was going to be a couple of episodes on TV where the U.S. magician David Blaine uh, would be demonstrating his magic. And these programs had already aired in the U.S. and it was the first time they were coming onto U.K. television. We were fascinated. We we were fascinated by magic. You know, we, we grew up watching magic on television. And my brother and I said, why don't we record the shows? And the reason we wanted to record the shows is that so we could go back and watch those tricks again and again and again to understand how he did it. Now, we didn't break the code or break every single trick, but we managed to suss out, to work out how he did quite a lot of those tricks. And it was really cool when we went to school, uh, as you know, we, we were sort of about 15 or 16, uh, we went to the school playground and we just took this stack of cards out and we started showing all of our student friends these magic tricks, and it amazed them. Uh, And uh, that's where My brother and I learned magic, and we learned it for a few years. Uh, I don't practice it today now, but uh, I still know uh, the odd tricks that I learned back then. But there were so many things I learned from close eye magic, whether it's increasing my confidence, being around people. You know, you have to be confident when you're delivering a magic trick because the majority of any magic trick, uh, if you've seen some of the best magicians, isn't the actual trick because the actual trick is really very simple. Uh, The actual magic is in the distraction. How do you divert, distract their attention so that you can perform the trick to the best effect?
0: Wow, I like that right there. The magic is in the distraction and that can go so many different ways with that. Um, Let's talk about coaching for a quick second. Both of us are coaches and I love something uh, that I read that you wrote and you look very clear and you're you're like, coaching isn't for everyone. You don't even need it. The question is more whether you want it. Could you talk a little bit about that, I think what I'm hearing you say in that is uh, that, that word that a lot of people don't like, Simon, uh, accountability.
1: Definitely, definitely. And I think uh, the essence of that sentence is the difference between interest and commitment. Uh, it, it's like New Year's resolutions. Uh, many people begin a new year and they have all of these resolutions, which in actual fact are just interesting. You know, I'm interested in getting fitter this year. I'm interested in changing jobs. I'm interested in finally starting that idea. However, we don't get what we're interested in. You only get what you're committed to. And it's the same thing with coaching. Yeah, you know, many people might be interested in coaching. You know, they don't really feel like they need it, but they're just interested in the idea of coaching. But to really benefit from it, you've got to want it. You've got to commit to the process. And too many people who've not experienced coaching think it's just the financial investment. You know, coaching is too expensive for me, or I can't afford it. But what they forget is that. Like with any high investment that you make, whether that is in your education, whether that is in your finances, it isn't just the money element that's important. It's your energy. It's your time. It's the attention that you give it. You can't get the most out of coaching unless you are fully subscribed to the process. You know, once you're immersed in it, it's like learning a language. Only when you're immersed in the culture, when you're immersed in speaking a language, do you actually reap the benefits. And so for me, the clients that have benefited the most, the clients that have had the biggest transformations are those that have been committed to the journey, have wanted coaching, have wanted to live on the edge and realize that actually magic only begins to awaken when you step off the edge of your map.
0: Ooh, yeah, that, that's powerful right there. And I just love that you said you, you don't get what you're interested in. And even the word commitment, I think a lot of times we talk about commitment, but we have to re- remind ourselves that we have to recommit every single day, right? Committing today is easy, but when you wake up tomorrow morning and that alarm goes off and got to be at the gym or work out, we equally have to recommit. And also, I mean, what you're really talking about is that willingness, Simon, to invest in yourself, right? We're our most important asset. And I think early on in my coaching business, I felt like I, I was pulling teeth sometimes, trying to get others to understand the value of investing in themselves, and then sometimes you got to find the right fit of the client, the folks that get it, etc. But on on this this topic of of coaching, just briefly, you t- in the introduction, I said you, you talk about the power of insight, perspective, and energy management. The, the 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 two words that gave me pause in a good way that got me curious was energy management. Could you talk about Ah, uh, what you mean by energy management?
1: Sure. So when we begin every day, we have a certain level of energy. Now, of course, we can increase that level of energy. So if you exercise, uh, if you've helped someone, if you've contributed something, and you you get the good feeling that comes inside of you when you've helped someone or contributed in some way, you can increase a level of energy. However, you have uh, a limited level of energy. Now. What most of us do is we have energy leaks that we're not aware of. So that could be, for example, you are spending time in the wrong environment. You are spending time in an environment in which people say, you can't do that, or why are you doing it? You're never going to be a success. That is an example of an energy leak. Uh, Another one is where you aren't organizing or planning your day. So what is the energy leak is your decisions that you have to make. So you wake up in the morning and you have to make decisions on so many trivial things. What am I going to wear today? Uh, What is my first task I've got to do? So what you've lost is a morning in which you could have actually taken action on doing things, but you've wasted it on working out what you're going to do. So you've been in the process of doing, but not actually doing. Uh, so energy management really is understanding what is giving you energy, what is draining you of energy, and how to manage the two. The way I see it, really, is when you look at your day, when you live each day, it's about living with intention. How are you living with intention? Too many of us think hard work's going to get us far. Now, don't get me wrong, hard work is important, but hard work alone is only going to cause you to burn out. Energy management is understanding that the most productive days are days in which you have a rhythm. Now, what I mean by rhythm is periods in which you are focused, periods in which you are, as Cal Newport would say, where you have periods of deep work, but also periods of intentional rest. How are you intentionally resting so that you can come back with new insight, perspective, that spark of an idea that you wouldn't get if you are constantly just in work mode, Because at some point, you can only get exhausted.
0: There's so much there that we can unpack. And it's funny, as we have this conversation, we're talking before I hit record about uh, I'm in that category right now where hard work alone is going to cause you to burn out. The good news, Simon, is that I caught it. In the process of it happening, by, by, by primarily by a feeling in my body and my shoulders, et cetera. But, I, but this right here is a good reminder for me that hard work alone is um, going to cause me to burn out. So I needed this right now, selfishly. Um, and I like how you talk about being intentional. There's one thing that I feel like as I've researched learned more about you is that you are intentional. And Simon, you briefly talked about environment. I would love for you to briefly chat about how we can de- design an environment that allows us to, uh, to succeed sure
1: essentially an and environment for me is one of the most important areas if you want to succeed uh you know i often get question a question asked me at the end of talks that i do here in in the uk and uh, abroad in which people often say what is the quickest way to succeed in any area of your life or business the simple answer design an environment that makes it impossible not to succeed Uh, Now, your environment encompasses a lot of different things. The first area we tend to default in thinking about is the people we physically spend time with. Uh, You know, who do you spend most of your time with? But actually, it encompasses a whole host of other areas. It is things such as uh, what books are you reading? What are you feeding your mind? Your mind nutrition, if you will. Uh, Who are you following on social media? Uh, What do you watch on television? What do you listen to? Your physical environment. Uh, You know, I read a great book uh, a number of years ago by Marie Kondo called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, and it really shows you the impact the physical environment has on your mental thinking, on the clarity up here in your mind. Because if you're working in an environment that is, let's be honest, very unorganized, uh, dirty or messy, then guess what? Your mind is going to be very messy uh, and disorganized. Uh, And a great example of how your physical environment can raise your mindset, raise your thinking and shape what you see as possible is where you spend your time in. So when I was in employment and I was looking to move out uh, into entrepreneurship, I remember going to some of London's most luxurious hotels, sitting in their lobby, ordering a cup of tea, getting my planner out and writing my goals, writing my plans for the week, writing my plans for the next 90 days. But what stimulated my imagination was the fact that I was in these incredible surroundings. You know, there was, there was wealthy people around me. The whole lobby was just beautiful. I mean, it was like a postcard where when, when you see some of these lobbies of these hotels. And so that really uh, shifted my mindset from focusing on what my limitations were to focusing on what was actually possible.
0: Yeah. You, as you talk about the hotel lobby, I was fortunate enough to over the course of writing my book, there's a hotel in downtown Los Angeles that I would go to on a regular basis, specifically to write. Sometimes I'd even stay the night there for a night or two. Didn't happen too often, but thank goodness my wife was supportive. Like, yeah, get out of the house, go write. But to your point, that environment just did something to me. Something was channeled in that clean, inspiring environment. And I'm glad I'm doing this interview right now in my garage where my, my sexy minivan is behind me and not in my home office, Simon, because if you saw the mess in that bad <laughs> in that bad boy right now, you're like, Antonio, we got some work to do. Um, so before we get to the question of the best thing, I, I have one more question for you. And I'm to talk a bit about habits. I think a lot of different people out there have different takes on on habits. Uh, the way I've heard you talk about it, Simon, are ensuring that some things in your life are non-negotiable. Can can you talk about non-negotiables and why they're so important?
1: Non-negotiables are so important because they literally are the secret to your success. You know, I often say that uh, habits are more important than goals. And the reason is is because you may not always get your goal, but I promise you you will always get your habits. And that's why you've got to carefully think, what are my non-negotiables? The reason I call them non-negotiables it's to condition your mind to put them higher up the priority list. They are the very first things you do before you do anything else. There's no negotiation. Uh, so for me, one of my non-negotiables is daily exercise. Now, that may involve going to the gym. It may mean going swimming. It may be going out on my bike. Uh, or given some of the lockdowns we've had in the UK when gyms have been closed, I'll work out at home. Uh, now, the key thing with this is I'm not telling myself I have to work out for a certain time. Because what that does is it can add undue pressure. You know, suddenly you feel pressure, I have to work out for 60 minutes or 90 minutes or whatever that time is. The fact that it's a non-negotiable means as long as I have done the activity, I've done it. And over time, that builds momentum. So it's really to reflect on if you took your average day right now and you were to repeat it every day for the next five years, would you be closer to where you want to be or further away? if you're not close to where you want to be what does that tell you and what must your non-negotiables not should but what must your non-negotiables be in order for you to get close to where and who you would like to be
0: yeah i love that right there in my book i talk about the last 30 days and sometimes if you want to know where you're heading you just have to look at your last 30 days because they're a good indicator to the point that you make right there You're looking at your daily habits of what is there what isn't going to happen. I was working with a coaching client of mine not long ago, and he said something really profound specifically about habits. And Simon, he said something to the extent of, you know, I've realized that how I wake up, meaning if he's in a funk or a bad mood, doesn't determine how I show up. So even though I may wake up in a funk, exhausted, tired, doesn't that doesn't change how I'm going to show up because I have some non-negotiables in my life. And so I think sometimes we forget that we have a say over some of these things. And I'm impressed by you right now because that workout that you're getting in, especially if you do it in the morning, I know you have a young, uh, a newborn. So I'm guessing sometimes you're really tired and don't want to do that workout.
1: Indeed, and that's why I've also got an app. So there'll be days when I can't get out of the home, but uh, at least I can fit in a workout when our daughter's sleeping. Uh, And I tell you what, the reason I also do it is I always say to myself in the morning, how do I want to feel today? And if I want to feel good, it is almost guaranteed that after I've done a workout, I feel a lot better. And I, I don't know many people who after doing a sweaty workout, whatever that activity is, that regrets it after. They may not want to do it at the beginning, but there's very few people I know once they've done it, they, they regret it. In actual fact, many people who have, once they've done the exercise, they're like, I feel good. I feel a lot better. I feel ready to take on the day.
0: Three things I never regret. Working out eating a healthy meal or buying a book. Like I'll never feel bad about those things. And you just, man, you asked a question that is so on the surface, Simon, so simple, but so few of us do it. How do I want to feel today? So for everyone listening right now, I want you to invite that question into your life today. When you wake up tomorrow, write that down. How do I want to feel today? I think it really can positively uh, impact the, uh, the decisions that you make or most importantly, don't make so let's get to this question simon we talk about the best thing the best thing to happen to people that wouldn't necessarily appear on a resume or a cv that wouldn't necessarily show up in a linkedin bio etc but that has still had a profound effect on who you are today uh what's one of those things in your life that's a that's a best thing that wouldn't necessarily be a traditional marker of success
1: the thing that comes to my mind antonio is the last crisis that the world faced, which was back in 2008, the global financial crisis. Now, when I was in secondary school here in the UK, but in the US, you would call it high school. When I was growing up in high school, I remember I was meeting the careers advisor two years before I uh, was graduating to start university. And he sat me down and said to me, Simon, what do you want to do when you graduate eventually from university? And because of the influence of my parents who are very traditional in our upbringing, because of the friends I was around, I simply said to him, well, I think my options really are to be a banker, a lawyer, a doctor or an accountant. And as we got chatting, uh, I realized that the path that was probably going to be for me out of those was banking. Now, again, it wasn't because I wanted to pursue a career in any of those. It was what I was brought up To understand success, what? So, for me, success was very narrowly defined by one of those four definitions in terms of what your job was. Uh, So, I went to the London School of Economics. uh, I finished my degree there and then I started in the world of finance uh, in the middle of 2007.
0: Oh, that's a great year to start in finance. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Not not, not a great year to start. Even worse, Antonio. Even worse when that first company I joined uh, was Lehman Brothers oh wow <laughs> so talk about baptism of fire and i still remember the first day i was starting the first day i was starting there i was thinking to myself you know this is it i'm going to build a career here i'm going to spend a few years going up the career ladder and then i can reevaluate my options uh, after then and the reason i was so excited again wasn't because it was something uh, i wanted to do that i felt was my life purpose it was more because the previous five years were very challenging you know the five years before I started my first job, I had uh, lost my mum at the age of nineteen uh, after she slipped into a coma. Uh, I failed my second year of university, so I had to resit a year. Just imagine what it was like having a conversation with my uh, Chinese father. Uh, you know how high academic standards are amongst chinese families so uh, that was uh, that was an interesting conversation to uh, to have uh, to uh, ask him what. Well, I've got to reset a year, so it looks like my three-year degree is now going to be a four-year degree. That's why I was really excited to start in, in this job. But unfortunately, a year later, uh, the financial crisis hit uh, and the following years would be very volatile. I was in and out of jobs. Um, I, I was close to breaking up from, from my now wife at the time. Uh, and I went for a period of depression because things just weren't working out. Uh, so that, even though... It was painful at the time. Uh, it was very dark at the time. Looking back, it was a absolute blessing. It was a very pivotal moment uh, in my life. It also made me realize, Antonio, that actually it is in those hardest and, and darkest moments in your life that will equip you with the wisdom, the insight, and the skills to create the best times. And that is exactly what happened uh, in those moments. I learned what was
0: most important I had the opportunity to self reflect and more important- let me let me let me interrupt real quick because I agree with you 100% and really what we're talking about there was was resilience I'm curious for you because when this was going on Simon I didn't know I don't know where you were in your journey when it comes to personal development self development work etc but that would have broke a lot of people you're young you're coming out of university at a really bad time to go into a banking profession so I'm just curious what allowed you I know you mentioned I'm sure your confidence took a beating. You mentioned some of the depression that came on. What were those key things that allowed you to, to stay resilient and, frankly, optimistic even in the midst of, of the storm?
1: I'm going to be honest, Antonio. The easy answer to that is, uh, is my wife. Uh, Ryan Holiday uh, wrote an article. I, I, I can't remember when he published it, but he wrote an article. And he said, one of life's greatest unspoken hacks is finding the right life partner who complements, who supports you, who challenges you to be better and to lift you up in those down days. Uh, And I think that was one of my greatest weapons, uh, was having someone... Uh, who could lift me up, having someone who knew exactly what I was going through that no one else did you know very few people know what exactly is going in your mind because on the outside when you look on social media it all can look rosy, it can all look nice uh, but actually she knew what was going on and uh, she's been there from you know that point in my journey to where I am today uh, and she's really been my support, if you will, the one who really helped me to get through these tough
0: times. Am I am I hearing you say that I'm get, again not knowing you then that maybe in a time that Simon didn't believe in himself, how amazing it was to still have someone that believed that believed in you. Totally, totally.
1: I think we all need that. We all need that someone, or it could be more than someone who believes in you in those times that you do not believe in yourself or you doubt yourself. Uh, you, you find that perhaps you don't have the courage to, 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 you know, to, to move to that next level. But when you've got someone that believes in you, that believes in your potential, that believes in you have a gift somewhere deep within uh, that the world deserves to see, that really helps in those vulnerable moments. Uh, you know, it reminds me, as I shared this with you, Antonio, it reminds me of something that uh, Kobe Bryant said, and he said that one of his biggest gifts was his father's unconditional love. Uh, that was given to him. His father said to him, I don't care if you score zero or if you score the highest points in history, you're still my son and I will love you the same. So you already had that belief and support right from the start that he was given permission to fail, to try uh, and to not be afraid because his father would always be in his corner.
0: That's amazing, and what an amazing reflection on that! Amazing what Ryan Holiday wrote about. I'm with you. Uh, that that's that's the real life hack right there. What a game changer! And my hope is that all of us are appreciating those people in our lives that are close to us, because sometimes, as you know, sometimes we can treat the people who are closest <laughs> to us, unfortunately, the worst and not appreciate it. Um, earlier, as you're talking about, you know, what career you're going to pursue and talking to that counselor, you talked about being a lawyer, doctor, accountant, and these things that you thought were "quote unquote." Success, uh, and it sounded like you were kind of resigned to the fact that you were going to go into a profession of banking, and then reevaluate your options a little bit later. Could you talk about? Uh, you can talk about this from a, a personal perspective, but even maybe with some of the coaching clients you've had over the years, mm. how many people assume they are they make a decision, then they think, "Oh, you know what? I'll reevaluate my options in a year or two. but then they never. The next thing you know, five or ten years goes by so for that person who's like i'm going to re-evalu- reevaluate my options can you talk about the power of of, of now <laughs>
1: <laughs> definitely so i'll speak first on the personal side and then i'll talk of the power of now uh so firstly for me as i said i had grown up with the uh understanding that success was defined by these limited job titles uh there was a period between two jobs uh where i was out for 10 months And in this time off where I had no income coming in, I had to uh, rely on my savings. It was the first time I had the opportunity to answer for myself with no pressure because, you know, my dad wasn't in the country at the time. My my wife's family was in America uh, and I had no like family pressure in this time. So I really had this time to myself. And I answered through self-exploration the questions of what did success mean to me? What sort of impact did I want to have in the world and what did fulfillment look like? Now, those sound like simple questions and they are, but very few of us actually spend time uh, trying to answer them for ourselves. More often than not, we end up living our life driven by someone else's definition. You know, someone else's definition of success and impact, which can be whether that's our parents, our friends, uh, or society itself. And so I had this period where I could actually spend time diving deep into uh, my thoughts to try and unravel my own answers for that. And that's where my coaching journey began. You know, I started to experiment with things I was curious about. And uh, we, we, we touched on the power of now. One of those activities that I did is I wrote down on a blank piece of paper uh, all the things that I wanted to do in my life before I, before I died. Uh, And I timed myself. I think it was uh, 60 or 90 seconds. I timed myself doing this activity. Now, I often get asked, why did I time myself? Uh, The reason is, is because if we don't time ourselves, we can overthink it. So you might question, well, actually, do I really want to do that? You, You know, can I do that? Whereas when you've got 60 or 90 seconds, it just becomes a brain dump. You know, if it comes to your head, it goes down on paper. And what I found is that there's wisdom in what comes to your mind. If it's come to your mind, there's often a reason why it's come to your mind. And then I got this bit of paper, and I imagined a 90-year-old Simon looking at this piece of paper, a list of all the things I wanted to do in my life before I died. And I imagined a 90-year-old Simon looking at the list as if I had not done a single thing on that list or followed through and how that would feel. Now, of course, there were certain things that, started to hurt more than others and i would circle those things and then that would give me insight i would think well if these are the things i would regret the most what is that telling me what is that telling me and now this brings us to the power of now you know if there's anything that my uh, mum's passing taught me is that you are never guaranteed a tomorrow you're never guaranteed a tomorrow you know we've uh, there's been many of us who have lost loved ones during this global pandemic and for me, the message from that again is: don't wait until tomorrow. You know, you have woken up today. Many people
0: haven't. Oh man, you that chill just went through my body there. Um, it makes me think about those people who believe that the best thing to happen to them is in the past, and they can acknowledge. If you wake up today, the best thing indeed can be ahead of us. Uh, you know, there's something that jumped out, Simon. Just a few more questions for you as you were talking. I truly wonder how much your wife's family being in another country and your father at the time being out of the country was a gift to you because it sounds like in a way you had the you had this gift of being away from certain influences and i think so many people struggle because some of those influences that weren't around you weren't there so for that person whose family lives in the same town where mom and dad are still giving them advice about the decisions they're making or their their community is a community that's always talking about reevaluating options a little bit later. Just it's okay. Go with the flow. What does that person start to do when I guess they don't have the gift of this, of this, the space, if you will, that you had?
1: Well, I think uh simple answer is if you really want it, you'll work out a way. You, you would get creative uh, to find, find the best way forward. Because We all have desires deep down. We all have dreams we want to manifest, a vision we want to see come to reality. Now, the problem is, is that if you spend your time worrying about what your plan B's are, because you have all this pressure of like, yo, but don't forget your studies, or don't forget this, or don't forget that, you should put this first. If you spend all your time focusing on your plan B's, your plan B's become your plan A. And before you know it, your dreams become your plan B and maybe your C or D eventually that actually you end up forgetting what you even wanted in the first place. And that's why for many people, uh, the process of coaching or the process of personal development is simply unraveling all of those layers to rediscover who you already are and becoming it. Now, for me, uh, when I talk about creativity at the time, I still was in contact with uh, with my parents and my wife's parents. And of course, as parents, they would always ask us how we were getting on and how our job was. And my way of handling all of this creatively was to basically just say, Oh, the the job's going well, you know, nothing too much to report. Uh, you know, hoping for promotion as always, but I never know it's out of my control. So I would always say things that would reassure them, uh, but would buy me time to, you know, try and find my path. And I remember when I first broke it to my, uh, to my dad that i was a coach and he- <laughs> hold on a
0: second it's, <laughs> as, it's as if you're about to, listen you're i'm your friend now i know the same thing when i left the tv industry behind and i told my friends i was gonna become a coach like you're leaving tv to do what so you sound like you're about to break it to your dad that you were arrested for embezzlement but <laughs> So go ahead. You had to break it to your dad that you were a coach. So I remember I told him I was – the, and
1: the thing is I knew how to manage the situation. I knew my, my dad was someone that if you told him you were in the process of being a coach, uh, you would never make it to being a coach. So I had to uh, build my journey, get some success before I told him. And I remember telling him I was a coach, and he replied by saying, Simon, you, you, you've never been involved in sports much. I mean, don't so you have to get qualifications before you can coach a sports team. And so his immediate association of coaching was with athletics or some sort of sports. And I said, no, 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 it's not that sort of coaching. And it took him a while to buy into what I was doing. And the first time I knew that he was bought into what I was doing was when he joined Facebook to keep up to date with what his children were up to. And uh, I shared an interview that I did with the BBC. And the moment he shared that post, I was like, I think he gets it now. I, I think he's uh, he is he, bought into the fact that his son doesn't work for someone now, but actually is doing something different by coaching.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I can only imagine how proud he was when he maybe had those reservations, but he could turn the television on <laughs> and see his son, you know, just educating folks. But I love that. It was as if you're going to break the news to him that you had a bad drug habit or something like that, but it was just that you were a coach. This is my last question for you. And I kind of want to start with where we, where we began on this. And you talked about the idea of what you thought success was and how you're potentially going to pursue a career as an accountant, doctor, banker, etc. Now, Simon, that you're a parent, and I know your daughter's not even a, a year old yet, but when she's thinking about her career and decisions she's going to make, how are you, gonna, you and your wife going to approach that with her as we get we get new data as we grow you know we're, we're, we're gonna be a little bit different than our parents how are you gonna um, teach her about what success is and how to pursue what what she cares about
1: i think if there's anything i've learned from this journey and, and i think it also helps that i have coaching as a skill uh, and as a tool that i know many parents uh, in, in the former generation didn't have is for me is to really help her understand what success means to her i'm I don't want to pressurize her by defining this is what your success should look like. But if she has a curiosity to something to help her foster that, to cultivate it and to follow it. Now, it may not lead anywhere, but at least she's done it and at least she's learned something from it. Uh, So I think that's how uh, it's I I hope it will work again. I, I can't predict the future. You never know how these things work out. But that's what my hope is. Uh, but uh, as you say, our daughter is only eight months, and if there's anything I've learned in this very short time uh, together, I've had with my daughter, it's just how much a miracle we all are. Uh, you know, seeing a life created uh, from two humans out of nothing, uh, it really does bring home how much of a miracle we all are. Uh, you know, too many of us, Antonio. We wish we would win the lottery one day, whether that's your national lottery, your state lottery. But what we forget is you have already won the greatest lottery there is going, the lottery of life itself. You know, it is literally an impossibility for us to be born. When you think of the fact that your grandparents, your grandparents' parents had to survive two world wars, uh, which wiped out generations. Uh, They survived multiple pandemics. If you go back in history, for your lineage in human history to be unbroken ever since the dawn of civilization, that you literally are a miracle. There's no one that has ever been you or ever will be you. But what we forget is we've won the greatest lottery there is going. Question is, what are you going to do with that winning ticket?
0: Whoa. What are you going to do with that winning ticket? That right there has me fired up. It's a beautiful reminder for myself. I'm sure it's a beautiful reminder for... The listeners, uh, I can't thank you enough for sharing what you've shared uh, in this conversation. Uh, this could go on. I would definitely have you on again when you have your book come out. Uh, for people uh, that want to learn more about you, Simon, or where would you like them to go?
1: Well, I would say if you are a user of social media, I'm on all the major platforms. So you can look at my videos on YouTube. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at SimonAlexanderO. Uh, or you can check out my website, which is SimonAlexanderOng.com. Uh, if you have any questions on the back of this, do make sure to shoot me a message. I personally respond to all of them. Uh, so you can make sure that I'll be the one speaking to you on the, on the direct messages.
0: Yeah. And definitely check them out on Instagram. His posts are a lot of fun. They're the posts that you can digest They're they're at, they're applicable in your life. They're not just in my opinion, They make you feel good. They're actually like, oh, I actually can take a step and learn something from this. Simon, uh, from this guy who was a stranger on the other side of a phone on Instagram, I want to say thank you to you for being willing to to engage and have this dialogue and conversation with me. I, I truly appreciate it. Thank you again, Antonio, for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to The Best Thing Podcast with Antonio Neves. Join us next week for more stories that'll help you see the world through a new lens. For more resources, go to theantonionevs.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share with a friend and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.